Oh, Sunday number three. This has been good. Dwight, thank you. Uh, as I did a 12, 15 years ago, I'm sitting there taking notes because we're going to need to let those marinate. Sunday number three of celebrating 125 years. It's good. We've spent time looking back. We've spent time looking forward. Um, and today we wrap it up. Now, kind of in a birthday party type feel, what, what have we missed? Like, what's the one thing at birthday parties that always happen that we haven't had yet? Pinata. Okay. Yes, a pinata, which would also be something that rhymes with James and starts with G. Games. Games. Good job. Lila, we missed you here. We haven't had any games. We're going to play a game this morning, all right? For, come on now. Yay, we're going to play a game. Yay. Okay, this is going to require moving just a little bit, and um, yeah, we'll go from there. All right, there's prizes. Oh, there's prizes. All right. If you win and you're of the female gender, we have female-specific First Church shirts. Ooh. Guys, if you get an answer correctly and you want this, that is completely fine with me. But guys, if you win in a pink envelope, wow, we have $5 Starbucks cards, which will get you about half a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Okay. All right, so that's what we're doing. You don't have to come and collect it now. Just grab me after the service, but we're going to play a game. We're going to start off, okay? I want you to think for a moment about the Ten Commandments. It's a church game. That's Sunday morning, okay? The Ten Commandments. Whether you are a longtime church person or not, my hope is this, okay, that you will be able to name at least one. So if you can name one of the Ten Commandments, just one, go ahead and stand up. I'm not going to call on you. Okay? But if you can name just one of the Ten Commandments, go ahead and stand up. Shake a little bit. Bill, you can't? That's, I might call on you. You can't. Come on, man. If there is anybody sitting, I have failed you as a pastor, or I know that you're just not comfortable standing up right now. Okay, so, uh, good, good, good. Well, the culture that we live in says everybody's a winner, so on your way out, we have cupcakes for everybody that stood. <laughs> All right, we have 250 of them, so you go ahead and take two cupcakes, and if you think you want more, that's fine, because there's 250 of them. All right, we'll give you five if you go give blood. Awesome. If you think you can name two of the Ten Commandments, go ahead and remain standing. If you don't want to risk that, go ahead and sit, okay, because at some point I'm going to call on somebody. If you think you can name three of the ten, okay, if you think you can name four, no cheating, Ben. I see that. You can't ask your dad. Thank you, Dwight. I got someone asked me to name them recently, and I got to like four. Okay, good, good, good. Five. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out. If okay, six. There we go. Seven. Eight. Nine. All right. All right. All right. Dorothy, go ahead and stand up. Okay, give, give me eight. Eight of them. Eight of them. That's 
pretty good. Yeah. Congratulations, you are the new owner of a First Church shirt. Woo! Come and talk to me after the service. All right, which one did she miss? Anybody? Don't kill. Okay, good. Was there, was there another? Or did you get, you actually got nine. I just heard, was there nine? Okay, perfect. She got nine. And the tenth was don't murder. Perfect. Very good. Okay. Everybody gets a cupcake because Dorothy did so well. Dorothy gets a shirt. Very good. Now we're going to go a little bit harder question. In the Old Testament, the phrase the commandments, which is a reference back towards the Ten Commandments, is used how many times? Woo, take a guess. Just raise your hand and take a guess. Okay, no, it's more than that. Okay, there's more than zero. Good guess. Somebody else? We're still, these are, these are legit prizes, okay? Half a cup of Starbucks coffee. One, more than that. Five, keep going. Okay, a little bit less than that. You're going to say 20, a little bit, so it's in between 200 and 20. 35? Somebody get close. 100. You didn't get it exactly, but you are also the proud owner of a new First Church. According to one website, I saw 127 times where in the Old Testament, the scriptures make reference to the commandments, which are referencing the Ten Commandments. All right. This is the next two are a little bit easier. The, New Te- the, the Ten Commandments are listed in two different books in the Old Testament. Two books. Which two books are they in? Oh, I heard Exodus and Deuteronomy right there. Come on, fellas. I can't, I can't give these away. I got, I got a whole stack of free women's shirts right there. All right, Exodus and Deuteronomy. All right, for either two church, even two church shirts or two cards, which will buy you a full cup of coffee. Okay? What chapters are they in in Exodus and Deuteronomy? I heard 22. No. Exodus 20. And Deuteronomy 5. Well done. You get two cups of coffee. Woohoo! That is DJ. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, for the entire stack, can I do that, Hannah? I probably shouldn't do that. Okay, we'll go another two. The Ten Commandments listed in two different places, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. They, there is one significant difference between them. Does anybody know what it is? They're in different books. <laughs> that is incorrect, but we're going to make sure you get one of these just because... Uh, Somebody needs it. Okay, one are being made, one are being broken. No, nope, but that's a good guess. I'm going to leave this right here. If everybody's like, "Ooh, I'm going to guess," I'll get coffee. <laughs> Do you know it? Okay, one's a command with a promise. I don't. That might be the case. I don't know for sure. We're going to get there. That's not what I'm looking for. Okay, but I'll take you to coffee anyways because I owe you, so I'm going to keep this one. <laughs> all right, hey, party games are fun, aren't they? Woohoo! Everybody's like, all right, don't call on me now. It's 1030, James. Just get this done. Oh, let me pray. 
I got nine pages to tell you the answer. <laughs> We're going to cut this answer down to 10 minutes. Now let me pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I thank you that part of the beauty of First Church is that we are a family that we get to laugh together, that we get to cry together, that we get to do life that is good and life that is challenging. I thank you for opportunities to open your word and hear your heart and your story, a story that you want to continue to tell. I pray that you would help us tell it well this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I promise you I will cut this down. Not nine pages worth, but I'm going to tell you a quick story. I was not here last week because I was over on the west side uh, close to Seattle. went for two reasons. The first was to uh, surprise my kids and take them to a Seahawks game. It was Sam's 18th birthday on this past Friday, and we surprised them. All along, we were telling them, you guys are going to go and watch Dad race, a triathlon, which was the second reason we went, and it's going to be miserable and boring and awful because it's supposed to rain the whole time, but you have to come, and then we surprised them. All right, so I went to race, and the boys got to go and watch a game. Abby got to drive the car back and forth between the two different places. Sorry, hon. We'll get you to a game someday. All right, at the beginning of a triathlon, uh, anybody who's participated in one, the swim is open water. And the race director or somebody day before will often come and give directions as to how this happens. Because swimming in open water is scary for a lot of people. Uh, Tim's like, it is. It can be terrifying. Now, just to go out by yourself and swim, but you add 1,500 to 2,500 other people, and it gets kind of uh, nerve-wracking. So at that little uh, pre-race meeting, they tell you what, what buoys you have to turn at, turn at the red ones. They tell you on the way out, you're following orange buoys. On the way back, you're following yellow buoys. And, and they give all these different hints and tricks and tips, and you get out there the morning of, and it all doesn't mean anything at all because you panic and you just start treading water. What the race director should ultimately say is just follow the buoys. Just follow the buoys, okay? Because there might be a morning where it's real cloudy, real foggy, and you can't see the end where you're supposed to turn, but the buoys are going to be close enough to where you can see the next one. Now, what does this have to do with First Church? What does it have to do with 125 years of, of being here? What does it have to do with the Ten Commandments? Well, that's a good question. Today we continue our catechumenate study looking at a two-week series on way of life. The way of life, how our faith is lived out as our way of life. And way back in November of last year, I picked the text that I was going to be preaching on this week, and it was Deuteronomy 5, and I completely spaced that that was the Ten Commandments. So last week when I opened up to figure out what I was preaching on, I turned and I saw the Ten Commandments. And honestly, I'm like, oh, man. Because we know that, the, I mean, everybody knows at least one. You guys proved that, right? Most of you know a couple of them. So how in the world do we make it fresh? How do we make it unique? How do we make it in a way that we will remember it? That was my thought process. And, and then how do we make it in a way that it ties into our way of life? Now, every Sunday school teacher out there is going, oh, duh, pastor, that's easy. If you follow the Ten Commandments as your way of life, you're going to be good. You'll be fine. That's right. That's what we've been taught. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 6 through 21. You can follow along or read in your own Bibles if you're quick. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must have no other God but me. There's the first. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image in anything in heaven or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even the children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. 
but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Okay, there's the second one. Don't make any idols. Third one, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you uh, misuse his name. Fourth, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as to the Lord and as he's commanded you. You have six days each week for ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male, your female servants, your oxen, your donkey, your livestock, or any other foreigners living among you. All the male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with a strong and powerful arm. That is why the Lord commanded you to, keep, to rest on the Sabbath day. Number five, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, and then you will live a long, full life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I think that's in both. Okay? Number six, you must not murder. Number seven, you must not commit adultery. Number eight, you must not steal. Number nine, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. And number ten, don't want your neighbor's stuff. The way Dorothy put it. Don't want his wife, his uh, house, his land, his servants, his ox, his donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. That's the Ten Commandments. All ten of them. Did you catch the difference between that one and Exodus 20? Who, those who have Exodus 20 memorized? No? Say it again. It is verbose, but the Exodus 20 has some verbosity as well. I just wanted to say that, verbosity. It sounds cool. In the context, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, all right, we're going to keep moving here. In the context, uh, God had already set the people free from slavery, 400 years of slavery. He had already descended in this dark cloud and booming voice on Mount Sinai. Uh, the people had already been given the first edition. Well, technically it was the second edition because Moses threw the first edition down. Uh, in the wilderness camp. Now, after that, people camped a little bit. They hiked a little bit. They made a decision that they shouldn't have based on fear about not taking the land God had told them to take. And then they hiked for more, 40 years, a long time. Eventually, a generation died off, and Moses got the people together, gathered them together, cleared his throat, and said, listen up. This is Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1. Moses called the people of Israel together and said, listen carefully, Israel. Hear, oh, hear the decrees and regulations I am giving you today so that you may learn and obey them. All right, he clears his throat, and then he gives almost word for word the exact same 10 that he gave the first time, four plus decades before, with one difference. The difference comes in the command of the Sabbath and why we should keep it. Okay, I'm going to save the entire uh, reading of that. Ultimately, Exodus 20, verses 8 to 10, does say keep the Sabbath. Don't work. Don't let your oxen work, your donkeys work, your servants work. Just don't work. And then God says why. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Okay? You got it? So in Exodus 20, God says, you need to take a day off because I took a day off. I've set it apart as holy, all right? Essentially, you need to do what I do. I'm telling you to do this, so, so do it, right? He's saying, you guys never got a day off in Egypt, 400 plus years, and Pharaoh's world kept spinning because you kept making it spin, but I'm telling you, I will make the world spin because you can stop and I'll keep it going. You rest because I rest. That's what God was saying. 
Now, you go back to the Deuteronomy 5 passage, same passage, uh, same um, requirement about the, the Sabbath, same thing, don't work, um, make sure your, your ox don't work, your, your donkeys don't work, your male and female servants don't work, and then we get to verse 15. Remember that you were once slaves, but the Lord your God brought you out with a strong hand and his powerful arm, that is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. One, rest because God rested. This one, rest because you were slaves and I've set you free. I was saved at four years old. I grew up sleeping on the front pew of the church. It wasn't comfortable because it was wooden. All right? I got a four-year expensive degree from Whitworth College back before it was a university. I got five years at George Fox Seminary. I have pastored a church for 15 and a half years. I have never seen the difference in these two passages before. And I'm not saying one is better than the other. But I will say this Deuteronomy 5 one hit me this past week. You know, the first one is kind of like, I'm oversimplifying. God said, obey these rules because I'm telling you to. And in the second one, God said, you were once slaves, but I've set you free. Raise your hand if you like to do something just because somebody tells you to do it. <laughs> Art, mow my yard. <laughs> he just sits there. Does any of us like to do something just because we're told to do it? No. We want to know why. Art's not opposed to mowing my yard. All right, if I told him that I, that I need surgery on my knee, which I don't, don't get scared, okay? But if I told him I had a really good reason to do it, my guess is you would say, okay, if you got a riding lawnmower, I'll come and help you out, right? But you also have two teenage sons, one who's 18 and one's 15, make them do it first. But Art would want to know the why behind this. We live in a culture, we live in a context that wants to know the why that we should live a specific way. This Deuteronomy 5 passage tells us why. We were once slaves, but now we're free. We could live our life, our way of life, trying to follow a set of rules. Okay, trying to follow even just 10, and I guarantee you every single one of us would fail. If we just took those 10, at some point in our life we would fail. But if God says, you know what, you, I've set you free. I'm not saying don't follow the Ten Commandments. Hear me on that. Please don't go write my bosses or have Dwight write my bosses and say he's throwing out the old. I'm not. But what I'm saying is when we live in the freedom, that changes things. Okay? When I was a little kid, I remember going to a reservoir with my family, big old reservoir, and it had this roped off play area. All right? That's not the reservoir, but that is a roped-off play area. Liberty Lake has something like it if you want to see something close by. My parents told me, hey, James, it's safe to swim in the roped-off play area. You can go in there and swim because the lifeguards have looked for rocks, they've looked for logs, they've looked for the little boy-eating monsters that are in the other part of the lake, and there's none in that corked-off area. You're safe to swim there. I once heard that the Ten Commandments kind of explained like that. Friends, God's given us all sorts of freedom to live if we stay in this corked-off area. And here's the ten different rules that we should live by. And again, we should follow these. These are good rules. All right? But honestly, the culture and the context that we live in now isn't satisfied with, here's ten. Here's your roped-off area. Follow them because God said so. They want to know the why. 
And here's, here's the why. When we look at that list of 10 and we start thinking of things that, you know, if we did them, they might bind us. Something as simple as don't, don't want your neighbor's stuff, all right? When I see that my neighbor has a cool truck, oh, I want that. I drive a 1998 Subaru Forester. It's a grandpa car. Technically, it's a grandma car because I bought it off of grandma, but I love it. I'm not asking you. Well, if you want to buy me a truck, that's fine, but that's part of my covetous issue. If my neighbor has a new truck, and I look out the window every morning at it, and man, I start wanting it, and I start thinking what a good life he has, and I start thinking about how bad my life is because I drive a 23-year-old car or 21 or however, do the math, okay? All of a sudden, I get bound by that. I get enslaved by that. Does that make sense? Okay? Or if you're putting something before God, let's say, I mean, bowing before an idol. Anybody have wooden idols in your house that you bow to? Okay, good. I was checking. Nobody raised their hand. For those online, nobody raised their hand. But we have idols in our lives. All right? Maybe it's, it's power. Maybe it's prestige. Maybe it's our jobs. Maybe it's our cars. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's our, maybe it's our toys. We have things that we put before God. And if we were bound by if you do that, God doesn't like you, God doesn't want you, God doesn't want anything to do with you, then we're toast, every single one of us. But God says you were once slaves, and now you're free. But free for what? Right? Free to do what? Well, Jesus has this creative way of, like, teaching us things we need to know. Okay? He reminds us that we need to uh, well, first, he reminds us that we need to keep the commandments. He said that in, in Matthew chapter 5. I'm not going to read it. Uh, poor Kyle's back there like, where's James on his message right now? <laughs> I'm sorry. Jesus is all for the Ten Commandments. Look up Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Look up Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 and 17. Both those places, Jesus says, keep the commands. All right? But when he was asked what the most important commandment was, he did not turn back to Exodus chapter 22. He didn't, or at 20. He did not turn to Deuteronomy 5 and pick out one of those. Anybody remember what he said, what the most important command was? This is great because I can blame the masks, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, those are our buoys. Those are the buoys that we need to follow. Again, I'm not saying don't follow the Ten Commandments. Please don't hear me saying that. But what I'm saying is Jesus has set us free. Right? John chapter 8, verse 32 through 36, Jesus talks about you should follow the commandments and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And what the truth is, is that sin binds us. That's, that's John 8, 34. But then 8, John 8, 36, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Do we have that verse, Kyle? John 8, 36? Perfect. So if the Son has set you free, you are truly free. You're free to do what? You're free to follow the buoys. Which buoys? Love the Lord your God with all of you and love your neighbor as yourself. A lot of people will take the Ten Commandments and they'll fit them in that two-part thing. And it does fit. Numbers 1 through 4 fit well with love the Lord your God. And number 6 through 10 fit well with love your neighbor as yourself. But can you imagine living our way of life not bound by rules? I mean, for those of us who wake up in the morning thinking, Oh, what can I do? What can I not do? Is it against the Big Ten? Is it against the other 613 that are, that are in the, the Old Testament? Man, I can't remember all the rules I'm supposed to follow, not follow. Here's freedom. Love God. Love other people. And that'll help shape every single decision that you make. Should you cheat off of your neighbor's test? That's not loving them. 
Should you put your kids above your priority for, you know, for your, your own personal walk with, with the Lord? That's not loving God with all your heart, soul, mind. We could go down this list. We could list off all the rules, the commandments in here. They can be summarized. As Jesus said, love God, love others. Those are our buoys. And friends, just like in a race where you get out there in the middle of the water, open water with 1,500 people, and it's terrifying, what we need to learn to do is be tethered to Jesus. Okay, in the races like this, uh, the, the race director the day before always says, if you panic, if you start struggling, there are lifeguards out there in kayaks, on paddle boards, just go ahead and grab one of them. You can't move forward, but just grab one of them until you, you calm down. Right? And here's where the analogy breaks down, because Jesus is calling us not just to grab him, but to be tethered to him so that he can keep us going. And the two places he's keeping us going, love God and love others. We are free to do that. Now, I've had a chance this past week just to sit and think about that, and it's mind-blowing to me. It changes my way of life. And my challenge for you would be, could it do the same for you? How would it look? What would it look like to live your life with those two buoys? Not saying we're going we're gonna to make it 100% all the time, but with those two buoys as our guide. I think it could change things. In the words of the guy who hired me, mentor, friend, dear brother in Christ, I want you to think about that this week, okay? Think about what it means to live in the freedom of just pursuing loving God and loving others. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that uh, you do give us rules. You do give us guidelines that we should follow because they're good for us. These Ten Commandments are good for us. And we know that. We trust that. I thank you, Lord, for just revealing the difference to me this week and, and what that has meant as I've thought through what it means to live as a way of life, living in freedom. Lord, I ask that this week as we go through our everyday lives, we would look for opportunities to love you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. God, we, we want to be a people who does that. We want to be a people who are known for doing that, whether five years, ten years, another 125 years down the road. That's what we want. Help us do that, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so two quick announcements, and then we're going to sing the doxology together. Okay, don't forget, fill this out, and there is an offering plate also, uh, it's a basket on the little uh, stand out in the foyer. Put it out there uh, when you are gone. Uh, if you haven't signed up to give blood, um, you can still walk in. Christy's out there. Don't forget cupcakes. I think we probably have people who are handing them out. Um, Downriver's out there this morning, so be kind and gracious as you go. And just because we're no longer celebrating 125 years next week, it doesn't mean that this isn't going to be a celebration every Sunday, because every Sunday God gives us is a gift. Amen? Amen. Amen. Tim, why don't you lead us in the adoption?